Yo, yo, what up, everyone? This is Ben Baller, not Ben Humble. And you are listening to another brand new episode of Behind the Baller podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, BTB is a globally ranked podcast produced by the award-winning four-time podcast producers of the year, the Dust Brothers. This is professional podcasting, not an amateur show, okay? And this show is recorded and mastered in high-definition stereo sound. I am your host, the Korean John Cusack, and this is the Weekend Wrap-Up. So, yo, uh, this weekend went by fast as fuck, right? Daylight savings, like, low-key kicked my ass. And it's never done that before, right? Just so weird that that one hour forward fucked me up yesterday. Like, I I felt like I was jet-lagged. I've never felt, I don't know what was going on. By the way, big news. I made my first reel on Instagram, okay? All right. It's kind of cool, actually. But, yo, I will never join TikTok, okay? Uh, It was a glorious weekend. Glorious indeed. This weekend was London's first communion, and he's been doing a lot better since his few episodes of depression, you know, a month or so ago and everything. I was really worried about it, you know what I mean? I still definitely want to kind of seek professional help and everything. But we've been having play dates with his best friends finally, and obviously um, we're going out as much as we can as safely as we can, right? Nicolette has also now got her first shot of Pfizer. So she's been vaccinated, you know, one half, right? Um, That means we're about to be super lit soon, right? Like we are going to be like, I'm hoping, you know, we don't have any fuck ups. We should be good. I'm saying not just us, but you know, the world, right? Or at least California, America, all that. But, um, you know, since I didn't grow up Catholic, I didn't realize how big of a deal the First Communion is. You know, like, I didn't know we had to get him a suit and all that shit, but uh, it was crazy, man. London did a really good job. He did great. I know some really basic stuff, but it was just a good whole, just that whole situation, the occasion, the day. It was really dope. You know, really interesting because mass was done in the car and it was streamed through radio and it was boom. But, you know, we went up to get the Eucharist for the communion and everything. Um, It's just a trip. But, uh, you know, with that said, you know, I got him a suit and everything. We decided to celebrate at his favorite restaurant. London's favorite restaurant is Cheesecake Factory, right? That mac and cheese and that sourdough bread. He's been going to Cheesecake Factory since he was one month old. Like we've been taking them since he could physically leave the house. He has been going to Cheesecake Factory and mostly the one at the Americana, right? That's like his shit. Also, Kaya and Ryder love that place. It's their favorite fucking place. They love the bread. They just love that place. You know, and by the way, London is starting to kind of like cars again. So, you know, it's been like six weeks or so since I've taken the Senna out. So we took the Senna out, went to the Americana. Um, It was nice being out and not having a personal security guard, you know, even though I'm always strapped, right? But uh, I'm always looked after very well at the Americana. They take care of me. So it was like no need, right? Glendale's a really safe area. And um, not saying that shit don't happen there, but, you know, that's like the place you don't want to fuck up at, right? And by the way, Saturday was a beautiful day, okay? And uh, London is starting to really understand things, right? He's eight, but he's, you know, eight and a half. And like, you know, when I was eight and a half, things were different. But I mean, he's like, he gets it. 
He notices shit. He starts seeing things. And uh, he can tell that, you know, that I'm popular. He understands that his father is something, you know, different. Like Ryder kind of, he's just, because my mother-in-law always tells crazy shit to Ryder. But, you know, I hate the word famous. But uh, London is a kid. So he calls it out as he sees it. You know, he, has, he ain't holding shit back, right? He's like, dad, they're videotaping you. We'll be at a, like a stoplight, you know, we're passing by a super famous breakfast spot that like, this is like a spot that everyone goes to in Burbank, but they just opened one in Glendale called BB's. And I ain't gonna lie to you, the shit is good. But we stopped at a stoplight and be like, hey, they're taking pictures of you and everything else. And I'm like, no, they're just taking a picture of the car. He's like, no, they said your name. And I'm like, fuck. You know, when I'm out in public with my son, as, you know, we, we go out very suddenly. It's been a while since we've all kind of gone out to a restaurant. You know, I try to take pics with anyone who asks, right? You know, my wife even says, like, yo, you should, boom. But it becomes off limits when I'm sitting down at the table like with my kids and I'm eating, like I'm not going to get up. Like, you know, it's shouldn't interrupt anybody when they're eating. Even if they haven't ordered yet, they're sitting at the table. It's like, you got to wait till like they're done, right? But, um, you know, it's just, it, it's it's rude, you know? And um, in the two and a half hour span that uh, we were at the Americana, I got asked maybe 30 times to take pics, right? At, at least 25, somewhere on there. And there was more people who, but I, you know, kind of put out the standoffish vibe just because I'm with my family. You know, got my mask on, I was taking pics, wasn't, you know, taking my mask off and nothing, right? And what I did was, for a majority of those pictures, I made them take a picture with London, too. I didn't want to, like, let him go. You know, I'm holding his hand. So, like, London was the most of the pics, and sometimes Ryder, right? And Ryder was getting, I want to take a picture, too. Like, I was like, you don't even know these people. Like, I know, but, you know, it was just really funny. I wasn't going to leave them by the side, right? And uh, there's, like, some new fucking store called Aritza or some shit that girls love to go to. It's, like, a nicer version of Zara. I don't know. My wife wears that shit all the time. So she went shopping. So we're just chilling on the grass. Beautiful day, kicking it. Um, by the way, shout out to Jake at the Caruso Group for always giving us the VIP treatment at any Caruso-owned uh, property. It was so dope. But, you know, I'm so out of the loop. Like, I just didn't even know that they opened a legit, real Louis Vuitton pop-up store there. Right? Like, it was like a real Louis Vuitton. Like, they had like semi-ready to wear, but they had the bags, luggage, everything. And, you know, there's nothing in there that I want anyways, you know, but it was cool. I'm just excited that my store is finally going to open again inside the Beverly Center and they have everything there. So I'm just, I'm just excited to fucking kind of go back to work, like my retail store, my flagship store and my new factory showroom and office. Anyways, um, we walked over to Dick's Sporting Goods because like they got all the camping shit and everything, right? So I got these thermos type things. Um, is that a thermos? Yeah, it's a thermos, right? Like so these tumblers. They're made, made by Yeti, right? Is it Yeti or is it Yeni? No, it's Yeti. Yeah, yeah, Yeti. And this shit's way better than Hydro Flask. I know Hydro Flask is the wave. Hydro Flask is like everyone uses that shit, right? It's the wave. But this shit kills that, right? My wife has a few of the mugs and that shit keeps hot coffee super hot. Like as hot as you put in that bitch, five hours later, that motherfucker is still hot, okay? Keep cold drinks ice cold for like 10 hours, like eight, 10 hours. It'll keep it 85% cold, which is still way colder than anything else, right? 24 hours later, okay? Shit is insane. But um, most of the things that I buy these days are for the RV anyways, right? And we pretty much got all that we need already. So, you know, I'm really considering going hard body and upgrading to a bigger rig, but I'm just like, fuck, man. You know, it's just, if you go over 27 feet, now you can't just park on a public street and there's just... You know, again, it's nice to kind of go to 7-Eleven and McDonald's and just this grocery store. It's just, I don't know. So I, I'm 
maybe I'm just talking shit. I just, I need to chill the fuck out. But um, by the way, the time has come for me to uh, flip my SF90. You know, I said I wouldn't because, you know, I know the, the profit margin was good, but, you know, some of them are trickling in and things. And, and I'm sad because I do love it so much. But like after driving the Senna again, it's kind of like, look, until I could get a garage that holds like eight to 10, like covered parking, then I'm just not going to be that dude right now. Cause you know, like got the Porsche Turbo S as the daily and certain things. It kind of, it's almost similar. You know, I know it's 1000 horsepower and it's different, but it's, it's just a, it's just unnecessary, especially when there's a lot of money to be made. Right. Um, but you know, there's a few things that I wish I got and I didn't know because, you know, when I got the car, boom, I spec'd it. Just, it was the first time the car came out, right? So I, it was uh, kind of the same thing with, with my Porsche, right? So, um, look, I'm not going to turn down $260,000, right, profit. So uh, what I'm doing is I'm going to order an SF90 Spider now this week. And it'll be first delivery, probably, you know, January, February of uh, 2022. And um, I'm going to spec it with all the shit that I missed out on this one, Okay. And since it's kind of like a target drop top, it's not like a full drop top, like I could kind of accept that, you know, that's why Ferrari calls it an aperto, right? It does fit better for LA weather, you know, and it'll still be stupid fast. So this will technically be my first convertible car. I've never owned a convertible car, which is crazy. Um, real sports, you know, sports car enthusiasts, they're pretty much against drop tops. You know, they drive coupes, you know what I'm saying? It's that old, I don't know, man, just not me. It's that typical weirdo, like, you know, uh, midlife crisis type motherfuckers, you know, that drive uh, drop tops, especially when it comes to exotics, you know, you want to go with the coupe, right? So anyways, I'm going to order a few different options, a little bit more carbon fiber. Uh, I'm going to do the $30,000 carbon fiber wheels, which I always sounds like, man, fuck that. You tripping, right? Just for a flip. But now it's kind of like, look, I'll get the money back on this car. I'll definitely be able to flip of what I want. So um, I'm thinking, I'm just kind of torn. I might spec it with the crazy paint job like i've always wanted this this ferrari purple that i've seen on a piece i don't know if it's available but if it's not i'm probably just gonna go with black you know what i'm saying but we shall see i kind of just need to know where i'll be living by next year because even though i do love our home now and we built it from the ground up i just want to step up to a larger piece of land like i need more land right i need a bigger house so that it could be our forever home and we can't outgrow it. And then hopefully I'll be able to move in my in-laws and retire my father-in-law. So he ain't got to worry about mortgage or anything else, whatever. Or he could fucking rent out his house that he owns. Um, but we'll, we'll see, right? If there is a real estate market crash, um, I won't give a fuck, you know? In fact, I'll be happy. But uh, I will say living in an expensive home has helped my net worth for sure. And uh, speaking of net worth... I've added 328,000 Dogecoins to my portfolio. Some people are like, bro, it's a meme coin. It has no market cap. You're fucking stupid. Why are you pushing this? Who's paying you? Motherfucker, you already know. There's no fucking person in the world that could afford to pay me to push a meme coin. You know how fucking dumb you sound like? Shut the fuck up, stupid. And don't worry about what I'm doing. You should worry about what I'm doing, actually. But worry about what you're doing. Because obviously I've reached near nine figures and it's it's worked out okay for me, right? So $20,000 is not going to break me, okay? I'm still able to put shit in perspective all day with my spending, okay? 
And, and you know what? But I will admit, the last 16 months have been atrocious when it comes to my monthly expenses. And so I got to cut that shit in half. I was talking about doing it before, but you know, I had a good year. You know, I gave a lot of people money. You know, I, I got my in-laws an RV. I got my wife a few gifts, took care of my mom, took care of a bunch of people I didn't know. And by the way, you know what? I don't even know if I'm going to address it because I know this lady hit me up on you know, like the most improper way. But it's like, look, if you hit me up for money and you need me to help you out and you want to like you do it in such a public platform, just know I have a financial team. It ain't no walk in the park. Like people are going to scrub the Internet and find out all the information they can on you and whatever they can't find. And like, you know, it's sad. Usually, you know, when someone says that they're handicapped or certain things are going on, boom, and it could be true. But at the same time, there's like things that my team finds out and it just, it bums me out that people hit me up for money for things, you know. But anyways, plan to cut my expenses in half. Hopefully I'll get there by June. I've kind of done a lot of fucking spending and everything and I'm just cutting it off as we speak right now. Like I really need to chill. Still downsizing, trying to get it there just so I can get control of shit, right? Bitcoin hit over $61,000 this weekend. And I actually woke up this morning still in disbelief. Like I've been in disbelief for um, since Christmas, okay? Nothing has ever done this well for me when it comes to like just like a stock or a coin, anything of this sort of type of investing. So I have to admit that there's definitely a bit of good luck for on this. You know what I mean? As far as my hustle and everything else, that's just dues paid and it. I earned it. I deserve it. But this is just something crazy, okay? Like, let me put this in perspective a little bit. People hit me up all the time with like, you know, like mediocre. And some people are like, oh, I'm broke. They don't have $500, $1,000, whatever. But for some people who have money, they have money they want to put somewhere and whatever. Like, look, okay? If you're, you know, chill, middle-class dude who has, you know, around $50,000 saved. And I'm sorry to say, look, I'm sorry that some of the people, you know, don't have 50000 saved. But like, really, um... You know, in the big scheme of things, 50000 isn't going to go very, very long. And I'm talking about for someone who, if I really want to break this down the molecules, if you're just renting and everything else, and you're renting in a shitty part of LA. And I say shitty, I'm talking about like you're in even like south of Koreatown and you're in an area where, you know, you're paying maybe two grand a month. People are like, yo, two grand a month is a lot. You have no idea what rent is like in LA, Okay. 50 grand ain't gonna last that long. People are obviously working check to check. But what I'm saying is, if you're middle class, you have 50 grand saved, and you put all of that into Bitcoin a year ago, right? You would have over $760,000 right now, okay? Fuck if you invested way, way back. I'm just talking about one year ago, okay? And for that person, it could definitely change their life for sure, all right? So we live in different times. Be smart. Now, if you haven't been living underneath a tent without Wi-Fi or a data plan on your phone, then for sure by now you have heard the term NFT, all right? The acronym NFT, which stands for non-fungible tokens. And at least 10,000 times I have seen this fucking term all over my social media. It's driving me fucking crazy. And this is just in the last week. Right? Or fuck it, since the goddamn, since episode 165, my scammer episode, okay? This weekend, a few of the big dog, like NFT guys, like this dude Blau, who spells his name 3LAW, right? And a couple other dudes dropped their NFTs. And look, I don't want to be a hater, 
I'm just calling it as it is, right? Um, these guys have been super nice to me and everything, right? But I'm just saying, like, I have big financial dudes. They understand this NFT shit to the T, and they're getting involved in it too and everything. But like, some of these dudes dropped, you know, some some NFTs, and on the one on ones that they dropped, I've heard from some big skeptics, and these are guys who are billionaires, uh, wealthy dudes, and everything else. They said that a lot of bidding has been cap. And when I watch it, it's the same people in the top 10, right? And I know I'm pushing and promoting, but now again, look, it's hard to call someone like me salty. And let me explain, because I'm I'm just not, right? Especially with what's going on in my life. Now, when it comes to maybe London or something, you know, okay, maybe, you know, I'd be upset, but I'm not salty about shit. Now, it might be a time where I troll people and everything, but look, like what's been happening to me in the last year, Man, I ain't mad at nobody, okay? Especially like literally with my current situation, you you can't call me that. You can try, but you'd be saying like, you'd be like, man, Ben, just because he's seven feet tall, that's how ridiculous it'd be to call me salty about anything. I want to see people win, okay? But the math brought up, it does make sense with people, what they're saying. And people are like, oh, what the fuck has Ben talking about? If you don't fucking know, then continue on. Because I'm not going to articulate it deeper than that. I just wanted to say, for the people who do understand and they're following me, don't believe everything. You know what I'm saying? That you're watching when it comes to NFT shit, all right? If you really think about it, like this fucking Azalea Banks sex tape, like resold for 250 million. Come on, man. Or $175 million for what it was. Let's, come on, let's be real. Let's just really be real, Okay. And I know, look at money just coming crazy. I talk about it, but yo, let's be fucking real, okay? Now, as far as the open edition NFTs are dropped, it makes a lot more sense. In fact, it backs up all the shit that, you know, these financial people, big business people, advisors are saying, right? But look, all I know is no matter how cool you are and how early you are and you're a pioneer and you got shit popping early in the NFT space, just know, when the big dogs come out, and I mean the big art dogs come out, right? They're waiting and they're planning to have it on a bit, you know, on a more solid platform and doing it this a different way. They're going for a way bigger kill, right? For sure, and it'll be much more warranted as well, right? With someone like Cause or Murakami or just like other big contemporary artists that are really big in the space or musicians like Drake or Adele, you know what I'm saying? These people who are definitely gonna be doing NFT music-related drops. Just watch when that shit happens, okay? When that hit shit happens, it's gonna be insane. Especially like a BTS fucking NFT-like drop thing. It's gonna be fucking nuts. We're doing open edition and make fucking a billion dollars. And it makes sense because their fan base is so crazy. But look, at one thing for sure is that if you're not financially literate right now, and I don't give a fuck if you're, you know, parents are immigrants from Mexico, blah, blah. They work manual labor. You're doing shit. They work at a taco truck. You could be fucking working at a fruit stand. You know, your mom works at a Chinese market, has whatever. It doesn't matter. If you're not keeping up with what's going on right now, even on a small level, you are truly passing up money and financial gain that could help you retire or position yourself better for the future. So for those of you whose parents are like, you know, just completely illiterate when it comes to the, what's going on financially with all this modernized shit, meme stocks, meme fucking coins, crypto, everything, NFTs, look, you need to put them on, okay? 
right? Because banks are not going to tell you or your parents about this shit that's going on because they're off, the banks are obviously against, you know, decentralized currency. This is what the whole thing's about. But now the banks are getting involved because they see it's not going away. And they realize this shit, you know, they need to fucking join in on this shit. And like I said before, having cash, right? I've mentioned this already, is really dumb at this point. All right, especially if you're sitting on a lot of cash, especially if you're sitting on a lot of American cash, like you're tripping, right? But I must also say, if you have a million dollars, it's I think it's slightly risky to dump all of it into Bitcoin at this point. Even if I personally think it's gonna hit 100,000, right? I think Bitcoin's gonna hit 100 grand, right? It's still a little risky because I bought in at 4K, so my risk is very low and I'm not tripping. If I lose, boom, I'm not going to cry about it. I, I've lost the first time, right? Could have had fucking, you know, 120 million right now. But if you want to play and cop a few coins, do it. You want to regret it later, boom, cool. I'm just saying be financially literate about what's going on and understand nothing is fucking guaranteed, all right? And, you know, check this out. Before we get into this commercial, I want to say this. The perfect world for everyone doesn't exist. Okay? You got to just make it perfect for yourself. Don't expect anyone to sympathize with you for whatever struggle you got going on. All right? You got to make it perfect for you. Okay? If you can understand what I just said, that will help you out a lot. Okay. Mr. Miles, please give me a beat. The one made by my boy, Lakey Lake. All right. And let's get a word from our sponsor and we'll be right back. In 2021, mental health is finally a recognized thing. And that's why we're excited to be sponsored by BetterHelp. So many people are struggling right now and aren't feeling like their normal selves. Therapy helps. And it doesn't have to be sitting around just talking about your feelings. So what is therapy? Exactly, it's whatever you want it to be. You can privately talk to someone if you feel like you're not dealing well with stress or you're having relationship issues. Whatever you need, it's time to stop being ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you for help. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Join the millions of people who are seeing what therapy is really about. It's always a good time to invest in yourself because you are your greatest asset. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and Behind the Baller listeners get 10% off their first month 
at betterhelp.com slash baller. That's betterhelp.com slash baller. Do you guys remember that movie, uh, Indecent Proposal, with uh, Woody Harrelson, Demi Moore, and uh, Robert Redford? You guys got to know that movie. The movie is fucking incredible. If you have not seen that fucking movie, you should fucking smack. And you know, if you have a girlfriend, watch that movie with your girlfriend and wife. If you don't, haven't seen that movie, man, that just would be crazy, okay? But I remember when that movie came out. I saw a motherfucker at Daily City. I forgot what movie theater, but I saw that shit in Daily City. I remember this crazy thing. I saw it with this Filipino girl who I was like just slightly dating. And uh, I could think that was my problem with my first Filipino girlfriend. It was a trip. But um, that movie fucked me up. Right, that was like the King came at ninety two or something, whatever. And now, look, I know I talk about how much I hate remakes and stop remaking movies and stuff or classics. You know, don't remake classics or older movies. But bruh, this movie right here in a two thousand twenty two world, yo, it'll be fucking lit, right? Modernize shit and add social media to it, and wow. Like you have an Elon Musk type dude, and then you got a young couple who's struggling. <sighs> Man, any good writer could flip this into something so ill. And that movie ending fucked me up. Yo, I just watched it again this weekend just because it popped up. I was like, you know what? Let me get into this shit. You know, it's like I paid attention to like 75, 80% of the movie, but money is not the answer. Like you guys have to understand. If, if you're trying to be happy, it's not that. It's just. This movie proves it for real. And by the way, if you didn't know, I am a sucker for a good love story. All right? Don't let that shit fool you. I know I act like I got no heart. But yo, I'm like, man, a good love story, I'm in it. Um, I watched Last Chance You, this basketball edition, again. Right, That's the latest season about East LA College. Now, I've watched the season twice now. Okay? It's crazy that this coach, John Mosley, is two years younger than me, played ball in L.A., in the fucking L.A. Unified School District, man. It's crazy. That means we played ball in the same era. I actually love to have him on the pod to talk about our era. You know what I'm saying? I might reach out to him just cold, slide into his DM something. The craziest part about this movie with the struggle about JUCOs is like there's no dorm situation, so you can't control the players and... You know, financially, these dudes are hurting, so it's just crazy. There's no meal program either, right? So shit is strictly like these dudes are really out there struggling, just trying to just get ahead, and the dream is to go to a D1. And you already know, not everyone's going to make it to a D1. So like, and that's if they could even, you know, not all these guys who are really good will get a scholarship. So it's like, it's just fucking tough, man. Watch that shit just inspires me. It's like, it's crazy. And uh, speaking of college basketball, Jordan Winter, sir, are you there? Can you please remind me that I want to get Coach Charlie Thomas? Yes, my basketball coach during my time at SF State University on the podcast. All right, I want to see how good his memory is and what stories he remembers and just talk about his life. His life is fucking crazy. His daughters, you know, did well and everything. I wonder what his son is doing and um, all that shit, man. Just crazy. Brings my memories. He was... I mean, he was a tough fucking coach. I ain't gonna lie to you, but you know what? It's look, man. I understand why he was tough. It wasn't like he was my dad. You know, my dad was on some whole other shit. But uh, since we're on the '90s, 
Um, I'm a part of a clubhouse group called The Speakeasy, okay? It's like this, like, you know, play music and drink and everything, right? It was started by my boy, Nate Jones. Nate is the dude who actually put me on the clubhouse, right, early on, like around May, June. And then, like, I fucked up my password, whatever, and I rejoined in October. But he's got 3.4 million followers. And now I kind of regret not going in. But you know what? It's all good. Fuck it. I'll get there. Because a lot of people who are early, like, talking that shit in, like, November, December, I notice all these people have like, some of my homies have like a 50, 100,000 followers. I'm like, what the fuck? Like what rooms did I miss out in? I don't know if it's all cap, whatever. But look, Nate is extremely intelligent and he knows a lot about the golden era of hip hop. And so I randomly jump into this clubhouse, you know, and I see that the Speakeasy room was active and I see, you know, Speakeasy featuring Steve Rifkind. And I'm like, wait a second, what? OG Steve Rifkind? Like the motherfuckers on clubhouse? Hold on, one second. For those of you who don't know, Steve Rifkin is the founder, owner, CEO of Loud Records, okay? This man was responsible for the careers, for launching the careers of Wu-Tang Clan, okay? Yes, Wu-Fucking-Tang, right? Mob Deep, Big Pun, Dead Prez, 3-6 Mafia, Project Pat, the alcoholics, like so many amazing hip-hop groups, okay? Steve is a true hip-hop pioneer. He comes from a family of record executives, but he worked hard, and so I had to chime in. You know what I'm saying? I gave Steve his flowers right there. I jumped in. I said, oh, fuck, like, who the fuck? Like, no offense, like everyone in there, some people I know, cool here and there, but I'm like, yo, bro, I go back almost 30 years with Steve, so we had some shit to talk about, you know what I'm saying? We threw some stories out there, and everyone in the room, except for maybe like two people, Maybe even less than that. We're even in the biz back then in the, in the mid-90s, early 90s and shit. You know what I'm saying? So I had stories and he had stories and he was, you know, giving me love back. We were talking about shit. And it just made me think about the original days of Nike Talk. When fools thought that I was lying about my life in the music biz. And I had so many haters. You know, because look, people can say shit and everything. But like, yo, what? I know there's people out there who get called out. But you know, what, what fucking idiot would go and say something about themselves, not knowing that there's so much research that is out there. People could go fucking find out if you're capping, right? Like, my name ain't Michael Blakey. Like, the fuck is up with you guys? You know what I'm saying? Like, I had so many haters that would say shit like, bro, you're not fucking stupid. Like, I would see it like in random posts. Yo, Ben Baller's so fuck. That motherfucker's so full of shit. He doesn't even know Jay-Z. I saw Jay-Z. He's like, oh, I don't know who's Ben Baller. Like, bro, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, people are like, this dude, Ben Baller, be straight telling ducktails. And at that time, besides having a few picks, like, you know, it's a message forum, right? It's not even like there's real no way to prove that I really knew Tupac or whatever. And not even to mention, like, MySpace wasn't even that type of place, you know? It wasn't until literally midway into, like, Instagram, Twitter days, like the glory days, when the OGs in the music biz began to get really active and podcasts were born, like Combat Jack and shit like that, and Breakfast Club, you know, well, I was able to tell my stories, you know? And like CEOs of these big labels, like what Diddy or Rockefeller, you know what I'm saying? Dame Dash and then would co-sign me. And then many others would be like, no, Ben was around. What the fuck is you talking about? And people are kind of like, yo, even cats who've been around, but they're around the East Coast, they didn't really know. You know, it's like, they, even Tyler, the creator, like he's so young. He didn't fuck. He said, why the fuck does Ben have a platinum plaque? These guys don't even fucking know. There's so many people who I work with. They have no clue that this jewelry shit is more of a newer thing, right? So I know a lot of people in this clubhouse room 
They were like, what the fuck? Like Ben just literally took over this room, right? But then Russell Simmons jumped in and it hit a whole nother level because like Rush, if you don't know Russell Simmons' nickname is Rush, Rush and Steve are super tight homies. They go back like 30 years, 30 plus years, right? And Russell is definitely, no pun intended, deaf, right? He's definitely 1000%, maybe top three most important people in the history of hip hop and the hip hop business for sure. It ain't even a question, all right? It's not up for discussion. And then Russ started telling stories of shit before my time in the biz, when I was barely in high school, like during the late 80s and how SRC was founded, which stands for Steve Rifkin Company, um, how it began, which later it turned into Street Records Company. SRC was a marketing company and a record label and just all the shit that was going on. And then I told the story how my first record that was serviced to me was through Bigger B, right? And Bigger B serviced this record. It was by the Alcoholics. I obviously knew who it was because, you know, the local group. And it was a single for Only When I'm Drunk, right? This is after DJ Homicide was their DJ, right? And that was the first record serviced to me when I began my professional DJ career. And then Lean Back by Fat Joe. It's a huge fucking record, right? Scott Storch, just enormous, huge fucking club record, huge record, everything, right? That was my last record that was serviced to me before I retired from DJing. So Steve Rifkin has always been a big influence, one of the coolest fucking CEOs in the biz. He used to have legendary house parties at his house, man. My homie Gabrielle Union had his she had her birthday party like twice there, like New Edition performed one year, Portrait and Yo-Yo performed another time. We'd always end up at Steve's house in the hills, just fucking dope, right? And um, in the late 80s, when I was still at Aftermath, I had managed, uh, you know, um, producers and had a little R&B group back in the day, right? They were called the Nade, short for Serenade, okay? And so I brought it to Steve Rifkin, pop in the office. He listened to the dumb. He's like, yo, bro, it's done. What's up? I'll sign them. Let's go. Let's let the attorneys talk. What's up? He even followed up with me. You know what I'm saying? But I just ended up using that for leverage. And like Steve was ready to give me a deal, but I knew I was going to get more money from Sony. And I was kind of like, you know, and then their manager of the group decided to think like he was like Suge Knight. And he just, he fucked up their whole career. Like they didn't get signed, just, you know, they didn't get to a major. They didn't even put out any real music. It was sad. I remember seeing them trying to sell CDs in the Belly Center. It just, it was really unfortunate because at that point I was like, yo, it was done. But like we really could have had something there. And it was just, it was fucking crazy, man. They were, like this was way like on a talent level, you know, better than B2K. Like this was just crazy. And this is before the boy bound craze. So like we would have jumped on it early. But anyways. In the clubhouse room, you know, uh, Steve Rifkin's 58 or so, but we discussed how important health is and balance and family and all this shit. Got into a real deep discussion. And like seven years ago, Steve had a massive heart attack, right? And he flatlined three times. And I remember hearing about this shit and being super shook, right? I actually saw him like not that far after that, right? And I was like, oh shit, like it just bugged me the fuck out, you know? So after I heard about it, you know, I've always avoided the doctor. I was like, fuck this. I'm getting a full checkup, blood work, everything. And that was when I got my first colonoscopy, you know, and thank God I was okay. But um, that room brought back so many memories, man. It was crazy. It was just good to be in that room. It was the highlight of my Saturday night. You know, Saturday day was so great with my son's first communion and everything. And like Diplo jumped in the room. Jake Paul jumped in there. And like Diplo, look, 
he was in there for a minute. You know what I'm saying? Diplo's a big deal. He don't act like it. He's always trolling, fucking around. Very talented dude, okay? And Diplo does, I think he found out later that he knew I was in the business, right? And he's a monster in music. And uh, he's always giving my flowers, man. So I, I always love West, man. And it was just, it was a dope-ass room to jump into. So um, that's actually, Clubhouse is still in a beta mode. It's still not open to everyone, right? These don't even have fucking Android or nothing. It's just for iPhone right now. So like, um, I tried this beta version of Spaces, right? Another So Spaces, which is the rival to Clubhouse, is for Twitter. And uh, I'm going to keep it extra funky. I've only used it twice, but it definitely needs some changes, right? They got to get a better interface so you can see who's in the room, like uh, see a little better who's in the room. But more importantly, like when you click on someone's profile, you could, you're able to see their profile like immediately. You kind of see like uh, one quarter of their profile. You can't really see. It's like, it's, I don't know. Like I like how Clubhouse doesn't have a private page option so you can at least see who you're talking to. And then there's like... Um, Clubhouse has very, very few like bots. Like you're not gonna see very fake pages and shit like that because at the moment it's invite only. You know, you have to be tied to an iPhone account, right? And um, now even though I was talking shit, I understand why the bios on Clubhouse are on there because it's really mostly like a business app, you know, social media app, you know, and why the fucking bios are so fucking long. There's goddamn gigantic resumes on there because it's like an audio version of LinkedIn, Right? So you get a better idea of who you're dealing with. But of course, there's a bunch of fools on there who cap like hell. You know, um, also, I haven't had a chance to have people that I know join me in the Spaces chat and be on stage with me. So like I can go back and forth with the homies and stuff. It's just like I didn't really like Baron Davis jumped on, my boy Syph, but like I didn't really get to have people jump on with me so we can kind of co-host and everything. So, you know, I just got to navigate it a little bit more. Um, I'm going to set it up, invite some of the homies, some people who are influential. You know, I have more people on Twitter than they're obviously on Clubhouse. And then we'll see, and I can make a decision. But very few accounts have spaces right now, so I'm just blessed to have options, you know. Um, one thing that I've realized is that for my spaces, you know, Q&As and shit, right, is people think that I really am some sort of guru, right, like that I have all the answers. And, and I'm not, and I don't, you know. Um, one highlight from the Spaces session was that I did share a fucking insane story about my boy who was a professional hacker. And that story is a legit 10 out of 10. I've never told it on the, on the podcast before. And I may or may not talk about it. I need to get his permission because the podcast is archived forever. You know what I'm saying? And like, you know, I got to keep his identity. Even if I kept his identity fucking anonymous, like it, he could get like motherfuckers get caught up. Now for some breaking news. Only here on BTB. The producers of the Netflix TV show Bling Empire have reached out to my theatrical agent, okay? And they've asked me to be a part of the new season that they're about to film. That means that, you know, like a starring, co-starring part. They didn't give me some fucking little small part. They already know, like, I'll rip shit apart, right? And before my agent even finished the full pitch, I said, bro, yo, Absolutely not. All right. No fucking way. You could go ahead and just tell him no. Could decline the offer. Right. My agent was like, Ben, listen to me. By the third episode, you would own this show. You will literally own this show. You could bring Dorothy Wang in and all this other shit. And you would look, man, there is not a single chance anyone on that show could keep up with you. 
Like they could not keep up with your content. It's all real and everything. And I'm like, I don't give a fuck. And I also already know this. Do you know what I'm saying? Like I know. And I haven't seen one episode. I just seen like a little highlight. I get it. All right. Hell no. And my wife would never be on it either. And my life is already too hectic as it is. Trying to protect my kids. I just the way it is. Man, look. It would be super invasive to my family. It'd also be super forced. I already know they try to, I just know how reality TV is. I had my own show, right? And at the end of the day, I don't need to do the show. So yeah, breaking news. Um, nope, it's not gonna happen. But yo, restaurants are opened up again in LA for inside dining. Um, they're doing a 25% capacity. But uh, I just really hope that we don't get into another wave of infections you know, I really do. And now I'm like kind of hyped because like Dodger Stadium's opening up and Staples Center is opening up. So like, yo, real soon. I can't wait to sit courtside like at Staples watching the Lakers. You know what I'm saying? Outfit fresh as fuck. Won't have a gun by my side. It's going to be interesting because all this jacking shit is going on. But, you know, I got no problem watching the game with my mask on. You know, I'm a little concerned. Like, am I going to be able to have a little Coke? You know what I'm saying? Have my little chicken strips on the side? I don't know. But um, look, with my Lakers... You know, I'm a little concerned about my Lakers right now. I think we're okay. You know, we played good against Indiana, right? But it would be nice to add Drummond, you know, to our squad. But just even like LeBron had said, right? He's like, we don't need anybody. Our current squad can win the chip. Only person I really, I mean, like, I guess Javel, did he really? Nah. Only person like I, I play off Rondo. Like he definitely did his thing. Whether he doesn't fucking like, like, what, like I don't give a fuck what his bitch ass says. Like, man, I don't like that name, play off Rondo. Bitch, fuck you. You 10,000% played better and you played different, meaning better in the playoffs last year in the bubble, okay? So we shall see, but the ring really depends on AD, okay? So I hope he can get back and be out, immediately kick ass and just, you know, the, the, our fucking fate is in fucking uh, AD. I think Brooklyn now with Blake Griffin is a bigger problem, especially with Joel Embiid out. And I think, like I said, two weeks for him, whatever. I think Joel's a, I think he's going to fuck around maybe not even be 100% by the playoffs. I don't even think he's going to be 100% during the playoffs. He always has some injury shit. I was trying to be cool about it, but I don't know, man. And he was, he was going hard, but I don't know. What I do know is if the Nets don't win the championship this year, they'll be one of the biggest busts of any NBA bigs, like any squad, like the, of this in 20, look, if they don't win the next two years, it'll be the biggest bust of an NBA squad in history, okay? So where's my take right now? Lakers in seven, okay? Now, as for the drama in Seattle, okay, there's still a weird vibe, right? Saying front office, the people, the professionals, the fucking blah, blah, saying that Russell will most likely stay for this upcoming season. But then there's that locker room vibe who feels awkward, about this situation right now. And what I think is, we just need to go ahead and get rid of his ass, okay? I get it. He's the biggest fucking star in the history of Seattle, okay? But, yo, man, just enough is the bullshit, bro. Like, I'm not in all, like, I'm into fixing things and talking about it, but it's just some whole other shit. Like, this one is the one where I feel like, nah, man, like, like you done fucked up the mojo of the team, man. Like, and again, don't trade his ass for no three first-round draft picks. Like, fuck out of here. What are you talking about? We need Deshaun. We get Deshaun. Yo, I'm serious. We are Super Bowl contenders for real, okay? Um, Drew Brees announced his retirement. 
Uh, Tom Brady just got a big extension and everything. It's going to be interesting how the NFC South turns out, right? And we know we're playing the, the Saints this upcoming season, right? We're also playing the Green Bay Packers at Lambeau. Um, actually, you know, I might fuck around and go to Green Bay, depending on what the, how the situation is, right? Might make an appearance there. If it ain't, it ain't like super cold, but we got a regular season game against uh, against Green Bay in Green Bay. It'd be interesting, man. Just, man, make me think about my cousin Rex, man. Um, by the way, speaking of Green Bay, shout out to my dude Aaron Jones, aka Showtime. Uh, he's got a forty-eight million dollar contract. Yo, big ups, homie. That's a big bag, fam. Uh, we got on his IG live yesterday. Yep, my boy Showtime put me on his IG live yesterday. Was talking to shit. You know what I'm saying? After right after he announced the news, he was super hyped. Um, he was one of the first early winners of the Snickers chain, and uh, you know, let's see what he does, man. I'm hyped for him, even though I'm a twelve. Now. On to other news. We aren't going to talk about the Grammys because they're trash, right? I'm just sad for my boy, like my bro, Freddie Gribbs. You know what I'm saying? Like Freddie, like he didn't blow up till he was 38. Like just, man, I'm just, I was really, like, he actually really handled it in a classy way, but he should have won album of the year. You know, I know Nas has been nominated over 10 times or some shit, whatever, for a Grammy, and he never won. Look, his last album was doodle. It shit was trash, Okay. He should have won for his early albums that were good. I hate the way the Grammy shit is, oh, they didn't get it this time. So they do the same shit with the American Academy Awards. Like, well, you know, this guy's been nominated for a time. Let's just give him this one. No, fuck that. That's not how it works. You don't give somebody a pity award. That shit is whack as fuck. All right? Just because he had them past losses, it just makes the Recording Academy look even more sus. All right? Like, I was really looking forward to a fucking, to Freddie and to my former high school alumni, Alchemist, to win, like, for Alfredo to win Alm of the Year. It's just, that just fucking, that was a robbery, bro. That shit was whack as fuck, all right? And, like, just Beyonce, oh, I'm not going to perform the Grammys, da, 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 whatever, and she won, like, the most Grammys ever, tied with Quincy Jones or some shit, and she accepts the award and says, like, this is fucking crazy, man. I don't know, man. But, yo, shout out to my boy, Alan. AK Alchemist, right, for sending me that fire collab he did with Born X Raised. Um, forgot what dude's name is for Born X Raised, but I know he went through some health issues and he's a LA OG, everything, right, whatever. But I kind of feel like the motherfucker don't like me or something, right? And I got no issues with dude. I think they're cool. I just, you know, again, man, motherfuckers got the wrong idea about me and just, it is what it is. Um, last thing I want to address is I said a tweet this weekend about my kids being easy. I said my kids are simple because they like, they love Target and Cheesecake Factory. And I had like a lot of people say like, yo, is this dude Ben tripping? Like, how is that simple? Like, how? please tell me how Cheesecake Factory, so some people said, how is Target simple? And I'm like, yo, look, okay, I get it. Some folks, are, they might be broke, right? And they may not be able to relate that Cheesecake Factory, you know, is like, they're just chill for that, right? But check this out. Have you figured out like where I am and, you know, my situation currently, right? You know how it's simple? It's simple like how basketball is simple to Michael Jordan, okay? And Target is no different than Walmart. It ain't anywhere near fucking fancy. Get the fuck out of here, okay? For the current situation my family is in, my kids could easily be into a different level of dining and such, all right? They're chill kids. Other than the fact that they have privilege to have their own phone and a computer, look, they're not bougie whatsoever. I'm not saying because my kids. I'm telling you the truth. Like my wife done a great job. I've done a serious job with them. I do like to spoil them. But look, some dumb fuck quoted my tweet was like, 
rich people say stupid shit. I'm like, yo, like, I didn't reply to dude, but like, Aunt Dick, have you ever worked fast food for a year, right, at minimum wage? No? Okay, then shut the fuck up. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you don't know that I was broke for most, a majority of the first half of my life, look, then don't worry about what I consider simple today, especially with all the dues that I paid. Pay your 25 years of hustle, then talk that silly, stupid shit, okay? Cheesecake Factory is barely a level above Olive Garden, right? It's not like I said, oh, my kids love Mastro's and, you know, Mr. Childs, they're just, they're just so easy, you know? And say that shit, right? And with that said, always remember, this is not your practice life. All right, guys? Yo, that's the weekend wrap-up. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button. And yo, LL, yes, sir, take us the fuck out of here, y'all. Peace. Peace.